Welcome to the Rekindling Ministries podcast series. This is episode 3.25, and today we're looking into the concept of peace. My name is Shannon Kirkpatrick, and I am the teacher for Rekindling Ministries. And my name is Zach Rios, and I am finishing up a youth ministry degree and starting a master's of theology degree. All right, so before we get into uh, peace, we got a lot to... Oh, a lot. Well, we got some heavy things to say about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before we get into that, uh, let's do a recap of the last episode where we did knowledge, understanding, wisdom, and counsel. We grouped all those together. We did. So give us a quick recap. Sure. So uh, basically the definitions for those different words is knowledge is to receive some information, which can be through a variety of ways. Perception, experience, or recognition are the three that we talked about. Understanding is achieving a thorough familiarity with the meaning, nature, and significance of something. Wisdom is acquiring deep, penetrating insight. Uh, And counsel is to offer wise ideas or guidance. And we talked about how there's a lot of overlap with these concepts. And Mm -hmm. they can be somewhat interchangeable, but it's not one-to-one or anything like that. And we talked about how do you actually acquire these things? Like how do you get knowledge and understanding and wisdom? Um, What does it look like to seek counsel? What sorts of things should we get knowledge about? Mm -hmm. What are the results of these? What are the benefits that come from them? And we also spent a little bit of time discussing them in contrast with foolishness. And so just kind of seeing how those two intertwined, especially in uh, Proverbs, see a lot of language about foolishness and wisdom. And then we just ended with application and how important it is to really be intentional with this because it's not something that's going to happen by accident. You're not going to automatically. Yeah. Yeah. It's a process that you have to actually be continuously working towards in order to get these things. Yeah. There, there was a ton of verses using all, all those words mm-hmm. though. It was overall a pretty straightforward concept. Yeah. Uh, I really liked the part about wisdom being like a skillful governance mm-hmm. and it's part of the, the application of that, of that knowledge. Um, so yeah, there was it was I don't think it was necessarily anything surprising from that study, yeah. but it was nice just seeing that emphasis again on you really do need to be intentional moving from just knowledge to that deeper understanding and and that wisdom. Mm-hmm. Um, it was cool. I really, I I enjoyed that study because we were, obviously we're more intellectual types anyways. Mm-hmm. But um, and so if you want more information, you can go back and listen to to that episode. Uh, all right, so let's move on to peace and um, want to. Touch on some things before we actually even get into the study. Kind of set a tone mm-hmm. uh, for this. This has been a difficult one to record. We originally were going to be recording this uh, two, about two weeks ago, and we ended up post we ended up postponing it for good reasons. We so we've mentioned uh, a couple times that we're working on this Know Thy God project. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a team of eleven people. We're researching. It's going to be a year long thing. We'll probably be done next summer, hopefully. Um, and so we're not going to be able to record any podcasts on it for another year now. Um, but in the process of, of, um, of recording that, we've noticed some, um, well, so two weeks ago, the, we, we were getting into the triune nature of God. Mm-hmm. And so we, you and I, Zach, ended up having a conversation. We were kind of prepping for the peace study. But I said, hey, before that, let me share some thoughts I had on the triune nature. Then we yeah. just spent two or three hours just talking about that. So we didn't record. It was fine. So then this past Tuesday, we are, you know, we'll regroup, we'll record it. And I've noticed some spiritual warfare 
creeping in. And, and I, you know, we've talked about, we don't want to run and label everything the devil. Mm-hmm. Um, neither do we want to label nothing the devil, right? Yeah. We want to be intentional recognizing that there is spiritual warfare. There is this prowling lion seeking to devour us and, and our, our, we don't wage war against uh, the flesh, but against these powers and principalities, you know, the, of, the, of the darkness. And so we want to be cognizant of that. And, and, and I've seen, so I really do think some spiritual warfare has kicked in. I think that the Know That God study is what's been really triggering it, but I think it's been playing over into this. Mm-hmm. And I'll explain where am I going with this in a, in a moment. Um, but so it's played out in two ways for me, um, kind of emotionally and te- technologically, or uh, technically or whatever. The, but the emotionally is... You know, one of the things that, that I can still struggle with is, is anger, being easily frustrated with things. And this year has been phenomenal for me, just kind of rebooting with God and getting back on pace. And the last couple of two weeks or so, some of that's starting to creep back in hmm. uh, and just let myself get frustrated. Um, and then the second one is is my computer has started freezing up. I, I use it every day, seven days a week, and it never freezes up. And it's it's been freezing up either when we were doing the Know They God research, uh, or when we've been trying to record this uh, this podcast. And so this is actually um, multiple times now that we've tried to record this. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, so on Tuesday, M- Monday was a rough day, and, and Tuesday wasn't necessarily rough during the day, but it was mentally exhausting. It was with other work that I was doing, mm-hmm. uh, and so I didn't feel like recording in the evening. I, I had almost called you, Zach, and was like, "Hey, let's postpone it again. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll figure it out." Um, but I'm like, no, no, that's not the point. And what I, what I, and then my first thought was, what I need to do. Well, my first thought was, I want to cancel it. Then my second thought was, no, no, I'm going to do this. I don't have any peace right now. We were also going to be trying to record the joy. I'm like, I don't have joy, any joy either. But I'm going to go ahead and record those episodes, even though I don't have them. And I was like, no, 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 that's probably not the way I should be doing it. So then my third thought was, no, I need to be, and, you know, and because we've, we've already done these studies, so I knew how to get peace and how to get joy. And so I just went through that, those mental exercises. I need to be sitting here in the moment, walking with God uh, and getting that peace and joy, even though it's difficult. Mm-hmm. And that if we're going to, you know, because like, for example, I've always loved the, the idea in the Gospels where it says, you know, even the pagans love those who love them. Like, that's good. It's not really impressive. Mm-hmm. What's impressive is if you love those that are persecuting you, you know, your enemies. Yeah. Um, and so if if we were just going to push through, you know, we, I wasn't in a good mood. And I didn't have peace and joy. And we were going to push through and record the podcast. I mean, that's good. That's not really impressive. What would be impressive is if on the on the way home, just in a matter of half an hour, I could be sitting with God, actually get that peace and joy that we're talking about, um, and then record in that peace and joy. Hmm. And so, so then, so as I was driving home, I'm praying, um, and I'm just working through everything that I've been learning about the peace and joy from the studies and the process, the steps that you go through. You know, we're going to explain all that stuff. Um, and next thing I know, I'm at peace. Mm-hmm. And, and I had some joy and I was in a good mood. I'm like, oh, this is great. Let's do this, you know. Uh, and so so then we, so then you came over. We sat down. We got ready to record. And then we had the technical issues. And we tried a couple times. It wasn't working. We said, all right, let's, let's get some other stuff done and then we'll try again. So here we are now on a Saturday morning uh, recording this. And even this morning waking up still not quite fully in the place that I wanted to be. Um, but all right, let's, let's try, let's try to get there. And then, and then we started to do the recording and then things were locking up again. Um, so we're using a different reason Zach's computer to record this and, and we're going to try again. And what's interesting is, is so we, we, and normally we don't kind of go peek behind the curtain here, mm-hmm. but sometimes it's just nice to know there's a reality here when you're trying to record these things. 
And so, so it locked up just a few minutes ago. And, uh, and I told you, Zach, I'm like, you know, this is almost comical. <laughs> and, and we, we, you know, we, we were praying over, over the first time that then it locked up. And, and then I'm just like, okay, you know what? This almost is funny how much this is happening. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I told you maybe this is better now that if, if you're doing a recording, then I don't have to be looking at that stuff and I can just actually focus on this. Mm-hmm. Cause one of the things that we talked about was if there really is spiritual warfare going on. And I think that there is why, um, cause I don't, I don't remember us having as much difficulty with any other recording or any other episode. I know we've, you know, we've, we've had our yeah, bits things, and pieces, but not, but to not this as extent. consistently yeah. as this. And again, I don't want to make too much of it, but it would make sense. Like, why, why is the enemy coming at us with this one? Um, and we were talking in the, in the first recording about, you know, so the season we did, what, 18 or 20 episodes, and then mm-hmm. we did that, like, um, elephant oh. in the room episode where we were putting everything together and what we'd learned. And then we've recorded four or five episodes now after that, after those 20. And so it'd be easy to think... Um, that this, we're just kind of doing cleanup mode. Mm-hmm. That we're just we're just wrapping the stuff up, uh, and the, these weren't as important as uh, the other ones, which is why they weren't first. But they're good, so we'll just record them. Mm-hmm. And realizing, no, that's not true. These are just as important as the first ones. And realizing that peace really is a foundational, really cornerstone mm-hmm. concept to every everything else. And so I'm like, man, this would make sense then. That, that we don't want to blow this off. You know, we have a really, a really short outline uh, with this, um, but that doesn't mean that it's, it's less important. So it just, it just I'm, I'm kind of rambling at this point, but it just made, it made me think that, you know what, there might be something, there. I mean, there is obviously something to the concept of peace, but this might be a little bit of, there's some people that really need to hear this that's going to go a long way, because we've talked a little bit, and we're going to get into this about, like, God, and, and is he at peace and that kind of deal. It makes sense that the enemy is scared of this concept, yeah, because I think that just as Christians in our Western culture, peace is just such an idea that like, oh, you need to have peace. You need to, and we recognize it intellectually as something that we should have. Um, but, and we say, oh yeah, well I have peace. Like it's, sure. But it's not really something that's deeply affected us. Mm-hmm. And so I think one of our desires just with this podcast is to really explain what biblical peace looks like and when you actually do have the full version of peace that the Lord provides, you're in a good spot. Just how powerful it really is. Yeah. Because it seems like it's just this nice, warm feeling that you can have sometimes, but it really is just the true version of it is just so powerful. And so we really do want to move towards that. I had this visual. So, like, if you if you're wearing armor and it's metal armor, you know, knights in medieval times, it was super heavy. It was super mm-hmm. constrictive. Yes, it kept the swords and arrows from piercing your skin, yeah. um, but it was rigid and it was just difficult to manage. Um, but so, what I'm picturing is with peace, it's like a thick, se- several inch thick layer of rubber surrounding you. So it has a little bit of pull. A little bit of, of give and take, so you, something kind of hit, but you had that cushion, mm-hmm. but but not just like a pillow cushion, like a thick rubber cushion. Yeah, and 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 that's kind of the visual I get with peace is that if if you are, again, we're gonna explain all this stuff is in a, in a moment, but if you get to to have this type of peace, it's a powerful powerful cushioned thick rubber armor 
um, but still flexible to kind of get you through things. Um, so, so even when we were praying this morning, it was like, okay, this is not just another episode that we're knocking out. Let's, let's kind of slow down and, and think through this of how this is going to affect us, how it's going to affect the listener, you know, et cetera. So we, 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 we wanted to, to highlight all that ahead of time, um, just to let you know that this, hopefully, you know, you're listening. And by the way, you may be going through spiritual warfare even and trying to listen to this episode. Hmm. Right? Who, who knows with that? So, um, so with all that, let's let's get in and let's let's explore this and see what is this concept really and and what can it what can it do? Um, for me, it all starts with Isaiah twenty six three. So it's it uh, says, "You Lord give perfect peace to him whose mind is steadfast on you because he trusts in you," and. Before I explain the verse, the, the in the Hebrew it's shalom, shalom, like this perfect peace is actually the shalom word twice. So in Hebrew, um, if you know if you mention a concept and and they put the two the, the the same word if they repeat it back to back, it means the complete version of that thing. So if we talk about shalom with the idea of peace, we can say, well, we'll break all that down in a moment here. Um, shalom, shalom is the perfect, utter, complete version of that peace. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of cool that, you know, we don't necessarily pick up on that in the English. Um, but he says, you, Lord, give this shalom, shalom. So you, Lord, are going to give this utter, complete sense of peace to him whose mind is steadfast on you. So be thinking of you, talking with you in prayer. Why? What, why think about him, God so much? Why talk with him so much? Because you trust in him. Hmm. And, and you realize kind of that humility, you know, kneeling before God in adoration, security, and submission. Um, he's, the, he's the best place. He's, he's your refuge, right? He's the best place that, that, to, to be. Yeah. Um, and so because you trust in him and you realize he's going to get you to go where you need to go in this amazingly powerful ways, then you are going to be thinking steadfastly on him and communicating with him consistently. And if you're doing that, one of the rewards that he grants you is shalom, shalom, this complete peace. So one of the things uh, a couple years ago, th- th- this. So when I when I first re- after my prodigal son stage and I first recommitted to the Lord, and I was reading Missler and other books and getting back into Scripture and seeing the color of the Bible, uh, and really like approaching Scripture from a different way. Missler always says the Bible says what it means and means what it says, hmm. and so uh, you should you know pay attention, like slow down when you read. What is this saying, right? This was one of those verses that I first began to do that where I slowed down and I walked through each of the components. I'm like. That's just one sentence, but if you and you know it's, it's a cool little cliche thing that you can say, mm-hmm. but if you actually are breaking down each of the components, uh, that's it's super super powerful. Uh, so, anyways, that was that's, that's always been a, a key verse for me. So, I was talking with a friend of mine a couple of years ago. She was going through some roommate drama, and she was pretty upset by by the stuff that was going on. And you could tell she didn't have a lot of peace, right? Everything mm-hmm. was bothering her. So we talked about that. We said, "So you don't have peace right now." And she's like, no, not at all. And and why don't you? And her first response was, well, because the roommates are doing X, Y, and Z. And and then, but then we were thinking of Isaiah twenty six three. And so where the roommates, their actions were triggering her feelings of upsetness. That was not actually the reason why she did not have peace. Hmm. The reason that, she, according to Isaiah twenty six three, that she did not have peace was because she wasn't thinking steadfastly on him. She was more focused on the situation itself than on God. And so, both of us, it was a gut punch. It's like, so we want to be able to blame other reasons for not having peace, but the reason that we don't have peace is on us. Hmm. 
It's because we're not spending time with him. And it's interesting because like I'm reminded of Galatians 5, walk in step with the spirit and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. And one of the fruit of the spirit is peace. Yep. Just this idea that along with Isaiah 26, um, a lot of times we tend to not give uh, walking in step with the spirit, thinking on the things of the Lord. We don't give that the priority that it should have and the weight that it should have when we're trying to get um, peace. And we wonder why we lose it when situations arise and it's because our mind is shifting from god to these things which goes back to uh the season one lens eternal internal external yeah we yep. let the external circumstances change our internal thinking and internal focus and so we're not focused on the eternal things of god and that really is a lot of times what happens and it's really easy to sit here and say that that's what happened so all you have to do is think on uh, the things of God and walk in step with the spirit, but it is so much more difficult mm. than that actually practically day to day. So right here from the get go, there hopefully is this kind of aha moment that it's, it's not about everything has to be good before I can have peace. Mm -hmm. It's having peace in the midst of those trials, mm -hmm. right? Um, which will make a lot of sense as, as we break all this stuff down. So, so we wanted to, to, uh, like I said, highlight all the, so the spiritual warfare, what that would actually mean for the significance of this episode, getting in, in here into uh, to Isaiah 26.3. Um, and so with that, let's go ahead and, and dive into the study. So as always, the, the first thing that we do is we look at well, what are all the Hebrew and Aramaic and Greek words that are translated peace, and, and what are all the different concepts that we should look up. And so if, if you've been listening to these episodes for a while now, you know, we always start with, all right, so, so here was the concept, and then here was the family of words that are all related to that concept that we end up looking up. Um, and so here with the peace study, I, I end up looking up the peace, peaceful, peacefully, peacemakers. It was 370 times total. I also, that we're going to get a little bit into welfare and well-being and prosperity. One of the ways that you can say shalom is like an internal prosperity. Mm-hmm. So not external prosperity, not riches, but an internal prosperity in, in your mind. Um, and you and I both made the comment that, that that was it. Those were the only words that I looked up. And so we talked about what about calmness and stillness and rest. And so we, we did a, a quick search um, this week, kind of looking in, into some of those briefly. I will say this was one of the first unpackings that we had done. And so I was still working out the process of mm -hmm. how unpacking should play out. And so I, I wasn't paying as much attention to the family of words. So we didn't, so we ended up looking up a little ahead of time. And, and what we, what we're seeing was reiterating what was already in the study. Um, but we, you, we didn't have as many words as we, as we normally do in that family. Mm -hmm. uh, but anyways, so, so those were the words that, that we, we looked up. There is some other concepts with like being safe and secure, the prosperity I mentioned, uh, quiet, tranquil, disturbed oh i do have them here calmness rest soundness those were all related words as well but I, I hadn't pulled them into the study i think if if we redo it i'll pull them into the study i think it's just going to reiterate mm -hmm. you know what we had, had already saw yeah more than likely um so getting into the uh, to the hebrew and the aramaic words uh one of them the the first big one is, is shalom which we talked about and so it's translated peace and it has the idea so the idea of shalom has the um is completeness soundness welfare, prosperity, well or well-being, also quiet, tranquility, um, even friendship, and even a greeting. Uh, related to that, shalem is a peace offering, sacrifice for alliance or friendship, uh, requital in return, or a voluntary sacrifice of thanks. 
And then shakat is to be quiet or undisturbed, calm, at rest, tranquil. Shalom is to be complete, sound, or safe, and a covenant of peace, or to make restitution. Uh, and then Shabbathon is a complete rest, is a Sabbath observance, so it's similar to the word Shabbat. Shalev is peaceful, quiet, at ease, or tranquil. And then the Aramaic word Shalom means welfare, prosperity, or well-being. And then the last Hebrew word we have here is Tobah, which is usually translated good or welfare or benefit or prosperity. And so you can go back and listen to the good study earlier in this season to see a more full rendering of that. Mm -hmm. Um, And then with the Greek, the main word is irene, uh, which is translated peace, and it has the idea of tranquility, harmony, concord, security, safety, again, prosperity, welfare. And there's also some related... uh, verb forms and tenses of that word irenio irenikos and irempiopus i'm not sure uh which is peaceful and also peacemakers there's also uh hesuchatso hesuchia hesuchios which are all different forms talking about being tranquil or quiet Mm -hmm. so so those are the the original wording then we go into the 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 dictionary definitions and so if, if, if you're using webster and farlex here uh, peace or peaceful, there's a three-part definition here. It's a state of tranquility or quiet, undisturbed, free from commotion, turmoil, or unpleasantness, marked by little or no noise or activity. Also, harmony or concord in relationships, free from hostility, quarreling, disagreements, or conflict. And then third, a serenity and inner contentment, composed, untroubled, free from agitation, anxiety, tension, or restlessness. To be at ease is to be comfortable, free from pain, uh, discomfort, trouble, difficulty, hardship, or worry. Oh, it's free from pain, discomfort, trouble, difficulty, hardship, or worry. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, And then alliance or friendship is a bond, connection, or union in close association and affinity to know, like, and trust another. Sound or complete is in good condition, solid, strong, secure, stable. It's free from any flaw or defect, damage or decay. It has all the necessary parts. It's not limited or lacking in any way. Which connects with perfect, by the way, mm-hmm. that uh, if we don't do an unpacking on it, that'll come up in the Know That God study. Yeah. Uh, and then welfare or well-being is the state of being healthy, happy, or prosperous. And prosperity is the state of being successful or thriving or flourishing. Uh, and then, yeah, so that's all those. Um, so we, 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 when we first did the study, we went through those. We were looking at some of the notes that it's this idea of kind of being okay no matter what. Uh, it does require effort. It's not necessarily emotional or it's deeper than emotions. Um, one of the little phrases we put here was it's that peace, it's being anchored despite whatever emotion that you're feeling. Hmm. Um, we talked, and we're going to come back to this, but there seems to be like a supernatural peace and a worldly peace. Um, so there were some couple cool things that we had saw from that. So then we went through all the verses mm-hmm. um, that talk on, on peace, read through them, unpacked them, looked contextually, etc. And so what we came up with was this conclusion. So jump into um, what is the definition of peace according to Scripture? What we found is there's actually three levels to this. 
or, or three states of being or three types of peace. Mm-hmm. And so what they are is external peace, uh, internal peace, and relational peace. And we're going to break them down for you. So, so biblically, peace can include um, a state of external undisturbed tranquility. So you're free from any kind of turmoil or unpleasantness. It can also be a state of internal prosperous serenity, free from any angst or damage, thriving in spiritual, emotional, and intellectual well-being. And then thirdly, it can be a state of relational pure harmony, a strong, close bond of friendship, free from any hostility uh, or distrust. So, so this, let's sit on this for a second because this becomes really important. Mm-hmm. So when you understand the Bible sees there's three types of peace— External peace, internal peace, and relational peace. Um, and it talks about all three. It emphasizes the second two. So the external peace would be kind of like you know the opposite of war, right, mm-hmm. or the opposite of any kind of strife. Everything's going well. Circumstantially yeah. in the environment, there's no uh, violence going on. There's no bad going on. It's, it's a place of peace. The Bible never promises that kind of peace, in this life, in this prologue. Mm-hmm. It does promise that in the one to come. Um, and so it doesn't focus as much on that. Yeah. Um, and we're going to get to kind of where, where you, how that can be achieved to some extent anyways. Um, but going back to the suffering study and the problem of evil study and all that, we can see the Bible is not, when it talks about promising you peace, like, you know, you, you Lord give a perfect peace. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not talking about external peace. Yeah. It's talking about the other two. So that so that's external. So then internal is you're good, mm-hmm. despite whatever's going on. So you, even if there's no external peace, you can still have internal peace. Um, it's difficult. It is difficult. Yeah. <laughs> but you can get to a place where in your, and this may be easier for some people than others because of temperament, and personality styles, and genetics and all that. Um, but you can get to a place that internally there's no trauma going on. Mm-hmm. Um, in your mind, you're, you're cool, you're okay, you're at your place of calm. Um, and the Bible does offer that. Yeah, and a lot of times I think we tend to think that we need external peace in order to get internal peace. Like that's the second step of peace. First, we have to be at peace externally with all of the situations around us, and then we can have peace internally but that doesn't seem to be the picture that scripture paints nope so what we found was here's basically the the key points that we found the kind of the order and by the way so remember how like in the love study we talked about we had suggested here's an order that you can go through things with love first understanding kind of what the definition of love is Mm -hmm. and then as you as you unpack all that you start first with understanding the triune god yeah totally those those three entities whatever they are uh love themselves perfectly Mm -hmm. And, and so you kind of picture that, then you go to, and then they also love the world and all of creation, the people in it, which includes you. Yeah. So you need to let yourself receive that love from God. Then as you're receiving it, that frees you up to then go return that type of love to him. As you're doing that, that's going to help you love yourself. As you're doing that, that's going to help you love others, like your close neighbor, or your friends and family. Mm-hmm. Then you can begin to love kind of the neutrals or random people in life. Then you can eventually can love the enemies. So we kind of worked through a sequential order there. Um, we we talked about, um, yeah, so, so like that, there's the same type of um, order, sequential order here with this. So, like you said, it's not based on the external stuff. So the first thing is, it seems kind of that, that first step is, it starts with a two-way relational peace with God, 
that then enables you to find internal peace and then you can more uh, easily create relational peace with others, which is what brings about external peace. Mm-hmm. So instead of trying to force external peace to give yourself an internal peace, start with God. And, and what's really cool is, kind of going back to this triune nature, it's been a theme lately. The triune God have total relational peace with each other. And so when we talked about relational peace is an absence of any hostility toward or distrust of or angst or unforgiveness or any of those type things. So that the triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit, and it makes sense, Yeah, they've always had a perfect relational peace with each other. There's, they've always been utterly united, um, you know, grooving together, loving each other, mm-hmm. all that kind of thing. Uh, and so, so they had that relational peace, which is what gives them so much internal peace. And so the idea here is, is understanding that then, so with, with Father, Son, and Spirit, each of them, all of them, one God, mm-hmm. has, not only is there that relational peace with the, the, the triune nature there, God also has an utter internal peace. Mm. And... So we talked about the internal peace is an absence of any angst or damage or any one of these negative emotions. And not only is an absence of those negative things, it's a thriving uh, intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually. And so, so one of the things that we want you to understand is that God is always, always has an internal peace. Always. Hmm. Why? Well, because he is the perfect being, yeah. and because it has this triune, this triune relational piece. So we'll rabbit trail for a second here. When we were doing the research for this and prepping all of it, um, you had asked the question, Zach. Wait a minute, but is God always mm-hmm. at inner peace? What made you ask that? Uh, the main reason that I asked that was because in the Old Testament we see these different instances where God. Um, response to the people of Israel and wrath and anger. And so the question is, is God still at peace relationally, uh, internally and externally while anger is present? Because it would seem that the initial answer would be no. Yeah, because that doesn't really, especially on a human level, like that doesn't make any sense. You can't be angry and be completely at peace. Like there's this tension there. Yeah. And so it, it really doesn't make any sense. Um, and going back to the anger study, we said that God isn't like constantly angry, just like this underwriting anger that really manifests itself at different times. He is slow to anger. So he's not angry. And there are specific instances where anger is something that occurs and so, so the so question anger was is just occasionally, yeah, but super intense when it happens. Mm-hmm. And so the question was when that super intense uh, anger, anger had, shows and up, does peace disappear for that time? And so that's what we started really looking into and trying to figure out. So my theory was, even though it would seem the answer is yes, it would be no. And so, and we haven't recorded the joy study, and, and, and we're going to do that next. But remember, we, in the grieving, we talked about like a funeral example that 
on the surface, it seems that if you're truly grieving something, you can't have joy. Hmm. It would seem that those those two can't happen at the same time. But then we can all give examples, or a lot of us can, that you know, you're at a funeral of a loved one and you're absolutely grieving that that loved yeah. one is gone. But, you know, both my grandparents, 72 years, they're married, died within a week of each other just a couple months ago. Yeah. So you're grieving that. But my family's tight. And you still have joy, like after the funeral, after everybody leaves, everyone's just kind of sitting around talking. And you talk about some of the funny stories that had happened before. Both my grandparents are believers. I'm going to see them again. Mm-hmm. So you can, so so it's like we, it's when you actually think about it, you realize, you know what? No, you can actually still experience joy yeah. in the midst of grieving. So that so that my theory was the same applies to this. That on the surface it seems that one can't have peace while one is angry. Maybe that's not true. Maybe one can still be utterly at peace uh, in the midst of being angry. And so we, we end up looking through Scripture, mm-hmm. and we could not find any verse whatsoever that ever states that God doesn't have peace. Yeah. So, like, for example, love is one of his eternal core natures. He's always loving. So, even the, so for example, even in the midst of his anger, the anger is out of love. Mm-hmm. And so he still loves that individual as he's showing the anger. And so the idea there is peace probably fits in the love camp as far as it's one of those core attributes that we can't find any verse that says it's never not there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it would, we're, we're implying this, that it would always be there. Yeah, and it's not even that we just didn't find any verses that say God loses peace. We looked at some of the specific instances of anger in the Old Testament and all like the different instances where it says God was angry, it does not say God was not at peace with them. Normally it just doesn't mention peace, but it's worth noting that if it, if this is actually something that like God lost peace, then it probably would have been included. Um, but it's not. And so it's just, there's not a case either way. Right, right. True. Yeah. Not either way. So, so what we, th- I remember, you know, cause we'd done the whole anger study already um, that anger is a tool that he uses and mm-hmm. so we got this picture that, like, imagine, um, imagine anger is this like ball of of uh, electricity and fire. Yeah, right? it's this raging thing. And so when God uses the anger, the anger itself, this ball that He's kind of tossing down on the earth, yeah. is full of electricity and fire. Right? It's a super intense thing, but He's using it calmly. Yeah. And as a tool. Uh, as a tool. So even like like the picture of, of a blowtorch, um, that blowtorch is that real powerful, you know, con- condensed, focused uh, heat and fire. Mm-hmm. But the, the individual's calm as they use that, and then they're carving or cutting whatever they need to do. So that's, that's where I'm at. I, th- I think you probably yeah. are too, yeah. that we're realizing, according to Scripture, according to all the other packings that we've been learning, uh, and because I, I, I think a lot too about... Um, some just some logical arguments here from Galatians five, the fruit of the spirit is these things. Well, God is spirit. Mm -hmm. So it seems that those nine fruit he utterly has, or he has the utter version of them consistently all the time, including love, joy, and peace. And so that began a whole change in my walk with God. Like, wait a minute. So he's always loving and breaking down what that means, not just in a cliche sense. Mm -hmm. And then he's always full of joy and he's always at peace. That's way different. Yeah than I had normally pictured. And so it also it's a cool picture of Jesus in the temple, because we, we referenced that passage with with the anger thing, that we know that he did it out of zeal, 
Mm-hmm. Maybe anger was a part of it as well. But whether he did it just out of zeal or he did it out of zeal and anger, the idea, you know, we've pictured almost like he's lost control in a fit of rage. That would not be an accurate picture of yeah. what that scene is. It seems that even as he was doing that, he had an utter sense of peace and he was like calmly using that zeal, potentially anger, mm-hmm. uh, in the use of that. And it changes the picture. So this is something that we don't really want to gloss over or, or blow off. We want to sit on a little bit because most of us probably have some rendering of God that he's constantly ticked off or, mm. or maybe even panicked because of all the sin and evil that's going on. Um, but realizing like, you know, if there was, if there was some intense, you know, a fire broke out in a building and somebody kind of took charge there in the office and they were super calm in the midst, they're intentional, they're, they're barking orders and get people to go different areas, but they're calm as they do that all. That's, that's noble. That's comforting for us. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that was helpful for me, we, we want to encourage the reader with this is coming to grips with the fact, this goes back to, you know, First John saying God is love, and then First Corinthians thirteen saying love is not irritated. Yeah, and so that just being a big light bulb for me. Well, if God is love and love is not irritated, God's not irritated. Hmm. So in the same vein, the fruit of the spirit. Well, if God is spirit, then God has all these fruit. The full rendering of those consistently twenty four seven. Then God is always at peace, and so it goes back to this three part definition. What does that mean relationally and internally? And relationally, we would actually split to kind of try and other people. So, so this picture you get is the triune God is always at utter peace with themselves, mm-hmm. which duh, kind of makes yeah, sense. Yeah, that makes sense. And so, this triune God, Father and Son and Spirit, always have this internal peace. They're good. Mm-hmm. They may use anger and wrath in a moment. They may grieve sin when it occurs, right? Those emotions can still, we're not saying none of those happen. Yeah, there's still other emotions. There are other emotions. There's other feelings, other experiences that he's going through, but he's always at utter peace. And so this has changed my prayer life hmm. because I, there was times like when I would be praying with God and I was just assuming that he was irritated with me or he was frustrated or he was agitated, etc. Well, peace, this internal peace um, would seem to counter all that. Also, that relational peace with me, that because I'd sinned, we now have a, a disconnect. He's now mad at me. He can't trust me. You know, or he, It's harder for him to love me. I mean, these were all just things mm-hmm. that maybe in the back of my head I was kind of thinking. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. So the triune God has that utter relational peace with each other. They're all good. And so, so God always has this utter internal peace. And if he always has this utter internal peace, that then equips him and frees him up to have a relational peace with me. So getting into this relational peace, it's two ways, mm-hmm. right? So I, let's, let's say I'm sinning um, or I'm mad at God or whatever. I don't have a relational peace with him. And so, for example, let's say you and I are fighting mm-hmm. and I don't have a relational peace with you. Pretty good bet that you also don't have a relational peace with me, right? Yeah. We just kind of trigger each other. And so I think I just assume that with God. If I don't have relational peace with him, I'm mad at him, that he's mad at me, and neither one of us have relational peace. But one of the things that we're finding from this, this study is coming to grips with, wait a minute, no, he is the Prince of Peace. Hmm. So he always has that relational peace with himself. He always has the utter internal peace. He would always have a relational peace with me. Yeah. Um, you think about the prodigal son's dad. 
you know, when, when the son returned, he joyfully ran down the road to, to meet hmm. his son. And the idea was there was no la there was no peace missing for that father, even though the son had done all those things. The father was at peace. And so this this is what I want to encourage you, the listener with is checking yourself and asking yourself, what have I thought about God hmm. when it comes to this peace? And then realizing if this is true, and we're going to get into this can be scary to believe this. But if this is true, it can be a bit of a game changer in your walk with God, that God is always at peace internally, and he always has a relational peace with you. So, so we like, ah, no, Shannon, you know, when you sin, then that relational peace is broken. I understand the logic behind that. I'm going to challenge that maybe that's wrong. Because hmm. um, you think about verses like, love does not take wrong into account. And you think about Psalm 103, the Lord is patient with us for he remembers that we're made of dust. And then, and I've used this several times when I talk about like imagining a counselor or a bouncer or a coach in really tough situations, but then being like super calm, super mature, super focused on the well-being of the other people involved. And you look at that, and that's super noble. Mm -hmm. And 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 me realizing humans, there's nothing humans can do better than God. So if I can look at a counselor who has their client screaming at them or a, a bouncer at a bar who's trying to like calm down some drunk person's th throwing punches yeah. or a coach, the quarterback is just throwing interception is dejected. And you look at the way that their, their approach to helping these individuals, God's going to do an even better version of that. And so it all begins to make sense, both scripturally and logically. And this idea that God is the perfect being, because remember we, we, I told you about coming to grips with his love and his forgiveness and me at first being like, I don't, you know, he doesn't leave you when you sin. Um, I don't believe that's true. Why? Because nobody's that good. Hmm. And then realizing he is that good. He is the perfect being. And the perfect being would have a relational peace yeah. despite your sin, your rebellion, because he's at such another level. So, yeah, what do you think? And it's interesting because we started off talking about uh, your friend's roommate issue and how they said that they couldn't be they couldn't have peace because of the situation that was going on and we said well no that's not how it is because isaiah 26 says that peace comes from trusting in the lord and thinking on him so it would make sense that the lord would be able to trust himself trust himself right and so the situations it's not it's just not based on situations it's based on his nature and the fact that he is trusting in himself. He is thinking on it. Like if it makes sense, if even this component makes sense on an individual level that I should be able to have peace regardless of the circumstances that are going on around me, then why do we stop and say, well, God can't do that if I sin though like that. He, he just can't. And I think it's, uh, it goes back to a lot of different things. One is our view of sin. Mm -hmm. And if we have a view of sin that elevates, honestly ourselves instead of god's um atonement of it and um i think that that plays a big part into it mm -hmm. but if we recognize that sin is primarily a turning away from god and secondarily to something else then it makes sense that what god is actually wanting is he just wants us to come back to him so he can keep having peace with us because the issue isn't the behavior that we're doing the issue is that we've turned away from him yep and like I even think about um, when I turn in an assignment late in class or I have a project that I'm working on and I haven't done it yet, I tend to want to avoid the professor mm -hmm. 
because I feel like there's just like they're upset with me that I haven't done what I was supposed to do. And so it actually draws me away from them because Mm -hmm. I think that we don't have peace. And with God, what it is, is he has a hundred percent, like he is a hundred percent reaching out towards me with perfect peace. And I just need to recognize that that's actually what's going on and go and sit in communion with him. And, And imagine in that analogy, let's say, let's say you're a senior and you've you've had that professor every year um, in, in some class or another, and so you guys had actually developed a, a relationship over those four years, and he and he's your favorite professor, and he's like always in a good mood, he's always relaxing, and he's found that balance of, guys, my students, I'm gonna be patient with you, I'm also gonna hold you accountable to you mm-hmm. know getting these things done. I'm not gonna give everybody an A. Yeah, but you have grown to really admire his ability to balance this i am going to hold you accountable i'm going to you know um uh, strengthen you and equip you and train you to get better at this stuff while being super calm and patient during the process at all so then and then you forget to do a paper you're less likely to avoid that professor that professor because you already know that professor it's not that the professor doesn't care it's yeah. not the professor's like you know oh no no problem oh, turn in the next semester if you want the professor, you know, is one to say, hey, no, let, let's turn this stuff in. Let's get it done. I am going to deduct, you know, five points off because of the late. You know, you, you guys know the policies of that. But understand, I'm not mad at you. Yeah. I don't have any awkwardness with you. I was a college student. I understand how that stuff plays out. So, so, so listen, Zach, on one hand, yes, get the paper done. Get it turned in. You are going to have some points delayed. Two, we're still good. Let's still get the, the coffee like we do on Thursdays, right? Mm-hmm. It would go a long way in that. So that's a perfect analogy for your relationship with God that you need to let the Bible paint the picture it wants to paint. And, yeah. you know, it says what it means. It means what it says. The Bible says he is love and he is the uh, prince of peace and the author of peace. And so I hope this is a game changer for you hmm. that if you have done some wrong, God's not going to be a little bit colder yeah. with you. Mm-hmm. He's not gonna be. He's not gonna act a little more awkwardly with you. You might, but he's not. Hmm. And you have to. And this is gonna take some time to really come to begin to believe this. Mm-hmm. But you need to start picturing that that when you sin, God's like, "I love you. I made you. I delight in you. I'm covenantly committed to you." I'm being patient with you because you're made of dust. I'm not taking the wrong into account. This doesn't mean that I'm ignoring it. We're still going to address it and deal with it. Mm-hmm. But son or daughter, we're good. Mm-hmm. And so, so I've experienced this in my in my prayer time that you know I was upset with myself because of sin that I had done. It was the same stupid sin over and over again, whatever. And so I cut. And so you know you know you need to go to God because like like the Psalm 51 and the whole sin study. Remember that one of the episodes. One of the, the sub episodes in the sin study was what how what are we supposed to do in response mm-hmm. to our sin and we work through the step by step process of all that and it, it includes the Psalm fifty one grievingly acknowledging it but then receiving that love and forgiveness yeah. and then renewing that steadfast spirit and so realizing that like imagining this conversation where, where God's like all right listen calm down you know imagine a little kid done some wrong and was super upset. But the parent is like, listen, sure, we're, we're going to fix it. It was a wrong. Yeah. We're going to fix it. You spilled the milk. We're, we're, it's yeah, okay. Yeah, but we're, but we're good. Let God. So when you go to prayer, this goes back to prayer being a two-way thing. And at first, it's all about listening before even speaking. So if after some sin, you go to God and you don't just immediately start blabbering, just sit with him and mm-hmm. listen and let him tell you, listen, before anything else, I want you to know we're good. Mm-hmm. I love you. 
there, there is a wrong that occurred. We are going to address it, but you and I are good. And so, so we've already went through the whole love thing. Now we can go through this peace thing. Understand I got imperfect. Hmm. So I'm, I always am at an internal place of peace, a shalom, shalom. You know, I mean, we talk about the twice is the perfect rendering. The three times is the divine. It's like holy, holy, holy. 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 It's, it's a divine level of holiness that God's like, listen, I am always at shalom, shalom, shalom. That's that's part of my innate being. Like like even now as we record this, and all the troubles we've been having with the technical stuff and the spiritual warfare, just sitting here and and letting, you know, letting God tell you, hey, I am always at shalom, shalom, shalom. Yes, I grieve. I deeply grieve and am pained when sin occurs. And yes, I will use a super intense anger and wrath when needed. Um, and I will. I am always at shalom, shalom, shalom. And so because of that, hmm. my half of the relational peace, it's there. We're good. I'm not blowing the sin off, but I'm not blowing off my love for you. We're good. And so... I want to encourage myself. I want to encourage you, Zach. I want to encourage the listener. Let yourself get there. Hmm. It'll change the tone of your prayer. It'll change the content of your prayer. And you know how we've talked about we both believe that that sin is actually a secondary issue. Still important. Still an important part of the Christian faith, but secondary, not, not primary. As both of us moved to that realization, we actually relaxed about sin. Not a condoning, mm-hmm. but we relaxed a little bit. And that relaxed attitude towards sin actually gave us the power we needed to sin less. Yeah. Um, and so it was very helpful. It's the same type thing here that if you come to grips with the fact that God's always at that shalom, 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 that he always has the utter, internal, complete peace of mind and that relational peace with you, it'll change things. It won't be like, oh, I can go ahead and keep on sinning because he's always at peace. It actually changes the way you think and changes the way you feel, um, and it'll enable you. So, so kind of coming back full full circle to this, what is this step by step process of peace? First, understand that God is always there hmm. with the internal peace, the relational peace, etc. That then is going to give you a little bit of internal peace, and it's going to allow you to have a relational peace with Him. And so he's already met you. He's already halfway there. He's already done his half. And so now that you're starting to have this internal peace, that just thinking through this, then you have that relational peace that connects with him. And so then now that you have that, you and him both have this two-way relational peace, that's going to increase your internal peace even more. Mm-hmm. And so you're going to get, this goes back to that thick, rubbery cushion armor. Uh, okay, I'm good. Good. Um, and and we're, we're going to go a little bit more into in some of the stuff, but now that you have that relational peace, or this, this relational peace with God and this internal peace, that then is going to free you up to have relational peace with others. You're such hmm. in this internal state of prosperity, right? This internal well-being that you're stronger. Yeah. And, 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 you know, and this is where all these unpacking concepts interplay with each other. So as you have more of this peace, it's going to free you up to have more joy. It's also going to free you up to have to experience more love. Mm-hmm. 
And now that you have more peace and more joy and more love and more patience and more mercy and more grace and all these other things that we've been unpacking, then you'll bring that in your relationship to somebody else. So when they wrong you, you now are emulating God. And you'll mm-hmm. listen, let me, the first thing I want, man, do I not do this? <laughs> wow. Yeah. Maybe a handful of times I've, I've been there, mm-hmm. especially if it's like they didn't wrong me. Then I have the more peace. Yeah. There's been a couple of times where somebody has wronged me outright in one of my trigger ways and I was totally calm. That was a supernatural experience for me that God did that. But that but that's where we need to be aiming. Mm-hmm. Um that when somebody's wronged you that you know so, you, so like a lot of people they just avoid the conversations but you shouldn't avoid them you know you and i had an argument we you know we we've yeah. had we've had we've had the conversations i've had this with other people and and you need to get in, in a place this this is because this won't always play this way but best case scenario that you come to them and say first thing you and i we're good hmm. yeah there's something that we need to address and, and we'll get to that but i want to emphasize first uh i'm good I'm not, I'm not, I'm not mad, you know, or it will first, that's, I'm not angry because I'm not supposed to use anger, right? That's the whole yeah. thing there. But, but emphasizing that I have done my half of the relational piece that then, so then that the individual is they're lining up with God and they're lining up with you. They'll have the internal piece and then they can return the relational piece. And then when you get two individuals that are now at a place of internal peace mm-hmm. and relational peace with each other, and let's say you get a whole community. And so this whole community yeah. is that relational peace with God. They're all full of internal peace um, in their minds, and they have relational peace with each other. That is then what will cause the external peace, which is what heaven is. Yeah, and uh, it's interesting because as we just all the things that we were saying, godly people are well-wishing, and we should be well-making peacemakers. So we need to be intentional about doing our part to just create that internal peace which really comes from the relational peace with God. And so then we can have external peace. And Jesus talks about this. He says in Matthew 5 and 9 that just blessed are the peacemakers. And kind of the idea that you were just talking about, um, Paul actually addresses in Romans 12. And, and real quick before you get there. So so the key point number one of the study was all the stuff that we were just saying. Yeah. And allowing yourself, it may be that you need to go ahead and pause or stop the recording and come back to it. Mm-hmm. Allow yourself to get there as far as to get to this is the way it should be. Yeah. That God really has all this peace and then that's going to give me peace, et cetera. Take as, as long as you need, but go through all of that and let it change you yeah. and let it strengthen you. And, and, and by the way, this is a lifelong process. So don't, don't wait 80 years before you would come back to listen to the, to the second part of this episode, mm-hmm. but take some time on that and then come back to that because it, once you're actually getting to grips with that and, and, and you're realizing, Ooh, that is the reality of what should be. And then you start moving your way towards that. It's a game changer in implications and application, which is now the point that we're going to go to with, with you, Zach. Yeah. And, um, just one last thing on that. You're not going to get internal or relational peace with God once and then be set for the rest of your life. Right. This is something that you are going to have to continuously be um, just refilling, like just continuously going back and maintaining that because if you just say, okay, I'm at peace with God right now, you're going to six months later wonder what's wrong. Because if you just try and live with this momentary, like, oh, we're in a really good spot right now, it's going to wear off. And right. it's just we're, not going to end the way that you 
that it originally was. Right, because we're dust creatures in a broken prologue. Yeah. Now, the more that you're doing it, the longer those periods of peace will last, the less triggered you get away from it, mm-hmm. and the easier it becomes to get back into it. Yeah. But it'll always be a cyclical thing this side of the gates. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really, really good point. So, so now go into... So, so think about this. If we are starting to get there as followers of, of Jesus, as, as Jesus freaks, um, as we're applying the details of the Bible to the details of our life, if we're actually starting to move this way, what does that mean? What it means is really what Paul says in Romans 12, that 12, 17, and 18, repay no one for evil, repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. And so as we have this relational peace with God, we realize that he's good with himself, he's good with us, and we're good with him, then the next step is we actually need to be at peace with everyone around us, which um, Romans 12 says, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. And Hebrews 12, 14, we actually see strive for peace with everyone. And so it's just across the board, we need to strive to be at peace with everyone around us. And Hebrews 12 kind of says why. It says, for the holiness uh, without which no one will see the Lord. Mm. So if we're not at peace with those around us, it's not just a detrimental thing for us and for that individual. It actually can prevent other people from really seeing the impact of the gospel in our, our lives which should be a concern to us as believers. We want to be sharing the good news of what it means to have a relationship with Christ. And if scripture says that if we're not at peace with everyone around us, it hinders our gospel witness. And so that, that puts another whole layer on the, the Beatitudes and the blessed are the peacemakers. Mm-hmm. Who are the peacemakers? Now, we've been, now we can break it down. It's those that are receiving God's relational peace and returning that relational peace with him, getting in an utter state of internal peace themselves, and then pursuing relational peace with others, helping them get to the same spot so that that can then create the external peace. Blessed are those that try to do that. And it's interesting because I feel like a lot of the times when I read through the Beatitudes, I thought that was the start of that process. And so blessed are the peacemakers. Okay, I need to try and be at peace with those around me. But there's this whole step beforehand Mm -hmm. that we may be able to manufacture some sort of thing that looks kind of like peace, especially with the people that we like. But we're not going to be able to be at peace with all men unless we're first just deeply rooted in that peace with God relationally and internally. We can't move forward to actually spread that with other people unless we're totally following the Lord, and specifically in this way, and we are internally doing the same thing. Like This is really kind of the third step in this process, Mm -hmm. but we try and make it first, and then we get frustrated because it doesn't work out the way that we think it's supposed to. And it's just because we're really jumping out of order. Right. We're skipping some of that stuff. This is something for me and the walk that I'm on. So patience and peace and those type of things do not come easily to mm-hmm. me. Um, so one of my little phrases that I've been saying to myself is I want to I want to have an easygoing intentionality. Mm-hmm. So, I ha- you know, my, my brain's always on. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so the intentionality is always there, but it's not an easygoing. It's an easily agitated. Right. Um, 
And so I know as I become the more complete version of me, um, I'm going to have that easygoing intentionality. And so the idea also is I'm going to be um, a, a, a shalom, shalom, passion guy. Hmm. And so that passion is not going away. Yeah. The more peace you're at doesn't mean the less passionate you are. It's just like with God, fully full of zeal, you know, fully passionate, but also always at peace. It's powerful. And powerful. so personally, I'm trying to be, I'm trying to uh, become have more of that peace, have more of that joy, have more of that patience to combine with my intentionality, always on brain, uh, passion, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, whoa, that's amazing. That's a cool thing to kind of, you know, to kind of strive for. Yeah. And. I think that because it's difficult the extent of how much we're supposed to be at peace with people. Like um, I remember talking in the love study, like we were talking about how we need to just all of the different components of love, First Corinthians 13, all of those verbs, we're supposed to do that. Um, like for me personally, first and foremost with my, with God, obviously, but with my spouse um, and then also with my family, but it's not just the people that I like, it's the people that I don't like. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's mm -hmm. love your enemies and it's the same thing with peace. And in Romans 12, it talks about not repaying anyone evil for evil. Um, and verse 20 to the contrary, if your enemy's hungry, feed him. So it's not just like intellectually being at peace. It's actually practically doing things to help another person. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. Do not become, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. The very next verse. And, and, and real quick, good is creating benefit for others. Yes. Yeah. And so that's the end of chapter 12. So this be at peace with all men. Don't become evil. Don't. Um, return evil for evil. The very next verse is let every person be subject to governing authorities for there's no authority except by God and those that exist have been instituted by God. In the immediate context of being at peace with all men is politics, mm -hmm. which especially just in the culture that we currently live in, it's very difficult to actually have that be a practical part of how we live. Because it's very easy to just get into this mindset of us versus them. Um, but Paul, under the inspiration of God, wrote this whole passage about peace. And then like in the immediate context, is talking about politics too. And so it's important to know that peace and apathy are not the same thing. Hmm. So when we say that you're supposed to have peace in the middle of, of politics... It doesn't mean that you're supposed to be apathetic and not care and not engage. Yeah. We're not saying that. What we are saying, as you do care about it and you're passionate about it and you're engaged in it, you need to do it coming from a place of peace. Hmm. It'll change the tone, the body language, the words used. Um, it'll actually increase the chance of cooperation. Mm -hmm. So, so, so. I wanted to emphasize that this, if I'm totally at peace, then I won't care and I won't do anything. Mm, no. That's not what peace is. That's a different thing. You are going to care the passion, the zeal, et cetera. But you, so you need to check yourself, you know, before you wreck yourself kind of thing here. <laughs> mm -hmm. So if you're about to get into some political dialogue with somebody, um, you need to ask yourself, am I at peace here? Hmm. So it all starts with God. God's shalom, shalom, shalom. Yeah. I need to get shalom, shalom. And so I need to get to this place where, you know, because him and I are so good, it really calms me. I'm totally relaxed. 
uh, I'm in a good spot internally. I'm not mad at this individual. I have relational peace with them. I'm, I'm not equating their wrong beliefs with the, you know, with them, who they are. Yeah. Um, so I'm totally at peace with them. Um, and now I'm ready to actually engage. And we still may, I may try to persuade them to come around to my ideology or show them the, the inconsistencies or holes in their ideology. Um, but I'm doing it from a place of peace. Mm-hmm. And if you do that, that decreases the amount of walls that that person is going to build with you, right? Because if you're kind of snippety and, yeah. and you jab a little, mm-hmm. you know, et cetera. So it goes a long way. And obviously there's other, like, it's not just politics that we need to be at peace with all men. But I, I just thought that, one, it's fascinating that Paul includes that in the context. Right. And two, it really is just culturally something that... Um, turn on any news channel, uh, scroll through your Facebook feed, you're going to see elements of even believers not being at peace with all men as it relates to this topic. So obviously there's more, um, and we're not going to get into like anything else with politics, but just this idea that it actually doesn't matter where someone is at politically, you're supposed to be at peace with them relationally. And that comes from your relational peace with God. And so the whole submission to government and politics thing is a big example. The other big one is biblical rebuke. Mm -hmm. And so we just discussed that recently in a previous episode about what biblical rebuke actually looks like. Um, And remember in Galatians 6, if you see your brother in sin, you who are spiritual should seek to gently restore them. Mm -hmm. Well, you who are spiritual, what does that mean? It's back from, from Galatians 5 and the fruit of the Spirit, somebody who's drenched in the fruit. Yeah. So you're not allowed to rebuke somebody else unless you're drenched in love, joy, peace, patience, etc. And so all that stuff just reiterates, they reconfirm each other, it all just kind of plays into it together, that if you have that disquiet, if you, if you don't have some internal peace, do not call somebody else out on anything. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to get to a place of that relational peace with God, the internal peace, relational peace with them before you actually can then rebuke them because then you rebuke them from that place of strength and place of place of calmness. So so those were the two kind of big points that we wanted to get at um, in in this study with if what you, so you had the, the, the three types of peace, mm-hmm. then going through kind of the sequential order of how that would play out. And then realizing that we're called to be mature believers, we're called to move from the boat riding to the water walking from the seven states journey lens in season mm-hmm. one. Um, and so this is another thing. It's, it's another piece of the puzzle, another illumination into what the mature believer looks like. So this goes back to what we've said before. Um, you know, you your body automatically matures, mm-hmm. right, as, as it ages, um, but you don't automatically mature spiritually. Yeah. Um, and so just because you've been a Christian for 30 or 40 years does not mean you're a mature believer. Uh, just because you know a, a bu- you can recite a bunch of scripture doesn't mean you're a mature believer. Uh, just because you, you go to church consistently three times a week for 20 years doesn't mean you're a mature believer. We're now seeing what are the signs of a mature believer. Um, the mature believer is more consistently in this place of peace, hmm. is more consistently full of joy, which we'll get into in the next episode, is more consistently loving of their enemies. Hmm. Right? So we start, we're starting to see some cool cool signs with that. Um, so so th- that's the kind of the main two chunks that we can go a little bit quicker through some of the other stuff. Um, one of the other things, so these are just some other notes to keep in mind with this study. Um, 
we found when we did it, there was, so you know how in Proverbs, it's not a 100% always true type thing. The book of Proverbs, you yeah. read is, listen, these are the general truths. You are going to find exceptions to this. This won't always play out, but this is, this is the general truth. So we found that with peace, there were these elements of conditionality, generality, seasonality, partialness, and or propheticness, meaning that, especially with the external peace, like we, we talked about, God never really promises uh, God never promises long-term external peace in this life, in this prologue. Mm-hmm. There could be seasons of it, um, but there's a major conditionality to that. So, so we realize, especially even just human nature and in your flesh and your muddy fields, um, it's, this is going to be difficult to do. Yeah. Um, so you, you take a bit of it with, with, a, with a grain of salt. And, and, that, and, and then and, yeah, we also saw that peace offerings in the Old Testament are really an act of worship. And so there's different types of these uh, peace offerings, fellowship, free will, thanks, and atonement. And scripture also labels these as peace offerings. And so um, kind of relating to that relational peace with God, the Old Testament system was kind of a demonstration of that. So hopefully you're intrigued and like, ooh, I want this, <laughs> right? So how do I do that? I mean, we kind of talked through the sequential order, but getting a little bit more into that as far as like the sources of peace, the, the number one primary source of peace, of course, is God himself because mm-hmm. he's, the, he's the author of peace. So, and, and, and we, again, we talked about this already, but why is God always at utter peace? Multiple reasons. One, for example, is that Jesus is the crucified and victorious Messiah. Um, and the Holy Spirit dwells within us. So because of the cross, because of Calvary, because, and this goes back to the sin study, and even the judgment punishment study, mm-hmm. because of the cross, all the sin's already been atoned for. Yeah. Um, and so because the sin's already been atoned for, that takes a lot of that stuff off the table and allows us to kind of get back to that peace. Uh, and because the Holy Spirit dwells within us, we have access to that. Yeah, and another thing that God's done to allow us to have peace is he's provided us with righteousness via his grace and our faith. And so just even um, being in that right standing with God is a way that we can have peace. And we found in the study his signs and wonders can bring about peace. So we see in some of his miracles in Scripture, we, and I, I believe miracles still exist today as well, um, that could be another source of peace. When you see him acting that, um, in these awesome supernatural ways, that can calm you down too. And more specifically with these miracles, his healing uh, can really bring, bring, pre, bring peace. And this is typically over time, and healing doesn't occur every time. And so it's worth just kind of qualifying that with Scripture doesn't say that we're always going to have peace through healing uh, our immediate circumstances. Right, that's some of the conditionality yeah. we're talking about, yeah. Yep. Um, so so, so he's, he's going to do his part in bringing peace to the table, and then we also need to do our part. So we found in the, in the study that we need to be have a sincere, intentional intimacy with him. Mm-hmm. So this is not automatic. Um, you have to, to uh, you know, draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. There's some intentionality. You have to make some effort in doing this. Yeah. So one, of course, the greatest ways is that hoping, believing, and trusting in him for his protection uh, and, and provision. So if you, the more that you hope, believe, and trust in him, the more that peace is going to come. Yeah. And also just having our mind set on the spirit, walking in step with him and thinking steadfastly on God. We've actually mentioned the, some of the verses that brought that 
component of this about, but yeah, like, Isaiah twenty six three, Galatians five, yeah, yeah. Like there's just a lot of things that if we actually are walking step with the Spirit, we're able to have this. We also found that finding and having wisdom uh, as we agree with Him and align our perspectives and paradigms with His uh, brings about peace. So that goes back to the knowledge understanding wisdom study we just did previously that one of the benefits of pursuing knowledge and wisdom is peace yeah and also just thinking on whatever is good pure and noble can bring about peace and that's a big one so that that's if you're if you're hyper focusing on the wrong you're not helping yourself in the peace process yeah it doesn't mean that you're blindly ignoring or blowing off the wrong Mm -hmm. but this goes back to eternal internal external as you mentioned um you really do want to be what is good that's going on, uh, and thinking on those good things, uh, you know, can bring about the peace. Uh, and then, and it's kind of a dub, but listening to and obeying Him, um, pleasing Him with our ways. So, like with like we talk about grace, there's mostly it's an unmerited grace. There is a small element of merited grace. Um, part of that merited grace could be peace. And so, if you're being more obedient with Him, He can offer the reward of peace. You can't read that one-to-one and the flip of that, that if you're not being, be, being obedient, he'll prevent all peace. Yeah. But it definitely, there is a correlation there that the more obedient, the more you're aligning yourself with God and his will and scripture, the more peace is going to come. Yeah, and scripture also talks about that he disciplines who he loves, and so accepting this uh, correction, discipline, and training is another way that we can get peace. And I think that that also applies to relationally with those around us. And so when someone actually comes to you in a biblical rebuke type scenario and is offering ways for you to improve or behaviors that you need to change, being willing to give them the time of day and actually listen to what they have to say. And so you can increase your peace with them and also with God. And we found that in the Knowledge, Understanding, Wisdom Council uh, episode uh, in that study that you really do want to receive counsel from others and even biblical rebuke. Now, what about, you know, if someone came to you and said, you know, they're more like a conflict avoidance type of person. Um, and they're like, Zach, I have never gotten peace from somebody disciplining me. Hmm. What would you say? The first thing I would say is I would probably ask what that discipline looked like, because I think that there are definitely ways that that isn't going to promote peace at all. If like someone just comes across very confrontational, just, hey, you're wrong, you need to change this, um, and they're not walking in step with the Spirit before they approach you, I think that that's a major contributor. Yeah, Um, that's the big one, I think. Yeah, and probably there can be a lot of... And especially when that sort of thing happens, a natural tendency that we have is to get very defensive very quickly. And so they can be saying even good things. And whether it's in a right tone or a wrong tone, we can tend to minimize what they're saying because we just get very defensive. Mm-hmm. And so just someone's coming to us and saying something we need to change. Well, no, no, I don't I don't need to change things. And so right. I think seeing if that is a component of what's going on would be another part. So best case scenario, the rebuker's doing it in a healthy, awesome, loving, biblical, encouraging res- restoration fashion, mm-hmm. and you yourself are denying your flesh and pride and receiving it, yeah. then absolutely that kind of scenario, peace is going to is going to come. Mm-hmm. We live in a world that doesn't happen very often, yeah. and so and you're you can only do focus on what you're responsible for. So if you're on the receiving end, one deny the flesh, just what you said. 
Two, try to find people in your life that are going to try to uh, discipline you or rebuke you in a healthy fashion. And then if you're the if you're a leader, you better be making sure that that's hitting home for you, that before you rebuke or counsel uh, or discipline someone under your authority, that you're at a place of total peace before you do that. Yeah, and uh, this just reminds me of something that one of my professors in school said, that you can learn something from anyone. So it doesn't matter. And he was specifically talking about teaching. Um, But I do think that even in the context of discipline and correction, even if someone is coming at you and saying something in a very unhealthy way, and even honestly, if a lot of what they're saying you really don't think is correct, there's still things that we can learn in that. And so taking the time and perspective to actually say, okay, so this person came to me and said this, what elements of that can I actually take something from? And then if you're doing that, that can help with peace. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then one other one from, from this section, uh, having zeal for God, we found in the study, can be, can be a source of peace. So that's why zeal and peace aren't counters to each other. Yeah, and so there's uh, God himself is a source of peace. Our sincere intimacy with him is a source of peace. And then also our interactions with others can pass peace onto them. And so this section is kind of how can we get peace in community? And the first primary way is by growing that community and sharing the good news of the gospel, the details of scripture, so we can actually apply them to the details of our lives, encouraging those around us and really edifying um, people that we do know that are already believers, helping them understand how scripture does impact their life are all ways that we can really get peace in community. Also showing mercy and grace in very real, practical, consistent ways. So you can go back and listen to the grace and uh, mercy studies. And so showing favor to people, um, mostly unmerited, some merited, um, and then having that compassion mercy, having the forgiveness mercy, all that stuff is going to help create uh, relational peace, internal peace, and external peace. Yeah, and then also prayer is another way that we can really get peace in community, which it that one doesn't really seem to fit in here until you realize that there's times when we're actually supposed to intercede for other people in supplication. Like I've heard many different stories of times when people have been sleeping and then they've woken up and thought, I need to pray for this person. And they do. And they find out a week or so later that um, Mm, this person was really struggling in that time. And so it, really does help build community and it's just cool that god allows us to be to play a part in that sort of thing so prayer is going to be a major source of peace in two ways the just that two-way listening prayer with him Mm -hmm. with god can bring about the peace with you and him and then as you pray for others in intercession uh, can also can also bring about peace um so those are those are some of the ways that 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 you can um begin to develop more of this. Yeah. Also, you want to look at the inverses of what are things that will hinder peace. Mm-hmm. And so we found in the study, just three of them, they kind of all go together, but unrighteousness, which by the way, remember from the righteous study, there's two versions of, uh, two definitions of righteous to be in right standing and also to, to have right behavior. Yeah. So if you're not in right standing with God, which is, which comes by faith. So if you don't have faith in God, if you don't believe in Jesus as Lord, then that's going to hinder peace so if you happen to be listening to the study uh and you're not a believer you haven't drank and drank the jesus kool-aid i'm not sitting here telling you if you don't believe in jesus you're never ever going to have peace what i am saying is it's a hindrance yeah and and if if you're partly you're listening to this study uh and you're kind of like 
looking past all the Jesus stuff and just getting to the psychology of it all and it's helping you great. Just know that you can't totally look past the Jesus stuff. Um, that it's that faith with him that gives you that right standing, that right relationship with him that will give you even more uh, peace. And then, and then the other form of the righteousness is the right behavior. So, and this goes back to the sin study, that if we're turning away from God and his beneficial goods and we're turning to other things, that does create pleasure, which is why we do it, um, but it also creates detriment and can prevent b- certain benefits. One of the benefits it can prevent is peace, or at least it can hinder it. So if you're, in a, let's say you are a believer, but you're in a place there's some sin that you're doing and you've just been justifying or whatever, know that 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 sin is bringing you pleasure, which is why you're doing it, mm-hmm. but there's also some detriment that's being caused by that. You can ask yourself, what is the detriment? It's also preventing certain beneficial goods, one of which is peace, or it's hindering it, so you're not going to have as much peace as long as you continue in this. Yeah. Um, and so that that's helpful to, to kind of kind of put that together. Uh, and then following uh, false teachings or focusing on negative realities or false realities, we found in the study those can also be hindrances to peace. For example, if you think that God is angry at you all the time, then you're not going to have relational peace with him. It's amazing how the way we view God mm-hmm. impacts the way that we relate to him and the relationship that we have with him, which is why both of us are so excited for this Know That God study that uh, there's this group of us working through because we're getting to learn just a lot of the nuance of who God is and his character and nature and all of these different characteristics, which just helps us relate to him even better. It's just really encouraging. This also goes back to if you're still wrestling with God's always um, at peace and you're just having a hard time believing that's true, we can look here and say, so we know here's some things that hinder peace, unrighteousness, uh, disobedience, following false teachings or focusing on negative uh, or false realities. Does God do any of those? No. No. So none of those hinder him. So that, that, that doesn't automatically prove that he's yeah. always at peace, but it's just realizing he doesn't have those hindrances, mm-hmm. right? It is a lot easier for him uh, to always be at that outer peace. Um, and so then, you know, whenever we go through the unpacking, we're always like, so what is the definition of this concept? What are some of the details and nuances? The third question we ask is, what are the benefits to this? Um, does this motivate me to pursue it? Um, and so peace in and of itself is its own benefit. Yeah. Um, but we found some some other benefits as well that as you're becoming one of these peacemakers and all that that entails, um, it's a it's a pleasing beauty, uh, especially to God, but really other people. So as you become this peacemaker relationally with God, internally, relationally with others, etc., um, it's a beautiful thing. It's a pleasing thing yeah. that that other people are going to admire that and appreciate it and be, be motivated and inspired by it. And God himself totally delights in it. So as you pursue, like, you know, this is difficult, but I really want to get into a place where I am more consistently at peace. Know that it's really going to bring a grin to God's, uh, to God. Yeah. And also just the intentional planning of peace and resting in it, actually doing it brings joy and gladness. Uh, and it really helps foster a lot of the other fruit of the spirit as well. Um, especially with more of the relational aspects, but just when peace is something that you're pursuing and you actually have, it leads to these other characteristics that are just also just so beneficial. Yeah, so this this shows there is a sequential order and peace needs to come early on. It is a kind of foundational uh, core piece to it all. 
PIE. Mm-hmm. Uh, peace. But anyways, this also makes me think uh, I that we should have done peace earlier this season. Probably. But then I'm also realizing where would we fit it in? Like, cause like certain things like, like the memory, cause we did faith and hope and love uh, and the inner determinism. Like those would all still need to come first, but I probably would have put peace uh, even, but you know, so you know that we had the whole section of like grace and mercy and judgment and punishment and anger. Mm-hmm. Um, peace probably should have come even before those. Yeah. Um, cause that, cause having that place of peace wouldn't help with all that. So it is what it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and who knows if people are, are even listening to the, <clears throat> to the season in order. Mm-hmm. But, um, and then another, another benefit is it's healing and life to the body. Um, over time, it can root out anxiety, fear, et cetera. So we talk about there is the physical healing, but even beyond the physical healing, there can be the emotional and intellectual healing, uh, and peace can, can be kind of a salve uh, uh, to that, an ointment, so to speak. This would, this would go with a grieving study as well. Uh, but as you're getting in, in a more of that cushioned place of, of peace, it'll help heal wounds and bad thinking, et cetera. Uh, it also... A benefit can be temporal and eternal prosperity and so it, this could be physical but it's as we've been talking about it's really that more internal um, prosperity and this also can have different types and so this can look different ways and one thing I'll say with that is so you have the you know the prosperity gospel and I think most of the circles that we hang in you know it's like oh you can't, you can't hold to that uh, reject that that's, that's heresy etc and, and I, I agree that a hyper emphasis on the fact that God wants you rich would yeah. not be biblical. Um, but what happens is we get to have so much animosity towards this gospel, prosperity gospel that we reject any use of the word prosperity. Mm-hmm. Um, and we found back in the, you know, the, the wording that prosperity showed up a number of times. And so there absolutely is a connection between prosperity and and peace and it is talking more about internal prosperity mm-hmm. but it's not totally ru- ruling out external prosperity that there is some correlation to that not a hyper fast one not the emphasis of this but we do want to acknowledge that yeah um and then and then there was um there was a passage about a, a perpetual pe- priesthood and so the idea that as as you're pursuing more of this relational peace with God, internal peace and relational peace with others, uh, and then the external peace that comes from all that, uh, and others are doing the same as well, it, it, that's part of what the it, it, eternal priesthood is all about. Which goes back to heaven, by the way, uh, and you can go back and listen to that episode we did earlier in the season. Heaven is the culmination of, of all these things that we've been talking about. Hmm. And so in heaven, you will, all, like God, you will always have that utter internal peace. And you'll have perfect relational peace with others. And so there's going to be total external peace and prosperity in heaven. Uh, it's going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely a strong motivation. We need, we, it's, it's less about, I don't want to die in hell. That is a component. But it's more about I want to see God face to face. I want to see this perfect being. I want to be able to, to see with unhind, unhindered uh, glasses, uh, unhindered vision of Him, and I want to have relate uh, internal peace all the time, and I want to have relational peace with others. Um, that's great. You want that. Jesus is the author of all that. It's His kingdom, and so acknowledge Him as your King, and and you get to be a part of that. Right? That's yeah. awesome. So those are those are the uh, the benefits. Um, is there anything else 
that we would add to the study or kind of tie in or anything else that we wanted to address? I've got I've got one. I, I also have guys. one. Okay, you go first. Um, because one thing that I hear a lot of times, because I'm in a point in my life where I have a lot of decisions that I need to make. Um, just one decision I have already made, which is what am I doing for grad school, um, which starts here in two months. That's crazy to me. Yeah. Anyway. And um, now that you're married, there's all those decisions Yeah, there. and so um, just marriage and all of those different things, the potential, like, w- should we move in order to be closer to school? Should we stay here? What church do I get involved with? How, what does ministry look like while I'm in school? So many different decisions. And a lot of times what I hear with decision-making in a lot of conversations is, well, I just have a piece about this thing and so we tend to peace is a discussion in the decision making process a lot of times and i think um for a lot of people that peace looks like this warm fuzzy feeling and so if in order to have a decision that's actually for you to think that the decision is the right decision a lot of times we look for some type of warm fuzzy like and I don't know how to describe it other than that, but just this feeling of, yes, this is where I need to go. But when we actually make decisions, that's not always the feeling that we're going to have. And so I think that just with the idea of making decisions in peace, we should maybe distance those a little bit because I even think of Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane. He was trying to, uh, figure out what God wanted him to do and going to the cross. And he has this, he doesn't have a warm, fuzzy feeling about going to the cross. Mm-hmm. He is uh, sweating drops of blood. Yeah. Uh, just, we see a lot of this just intense emotion, but that was what God's will was for him in that moment. And so he, or do, when we are following God's will, which I don't think is a path that we uh, have to tightrope. It's more just aligning ourselves with him, but that's a separate discussion. Yeah. Um, but it's our focus shouldn't be trying to find peace in that, or at least not that type of peace. It should be just discerning what is it that God's calling you to do and being obedient to do that. And so I think just kind of separating yeah. the two is helpful in that discussion. And that's, that's what I was going to say. And to, to, continue elaborating on that it's funny what we've been discussing in, in the know that god study um we won't rabbit trail on this but like the will of god is is the desires of god mm-hmm. and so if you're trying to align with the will of god you're trying to align with his desires it yeah. just changes the, the the tone a little bit with that yeah um but anyways th- oh and then also we've been discussing what makes a person mm-hmm. and so we've talked about there's the there's the core volitional soul and then there's that heart mind element and then there's the, the physical body so getting so another way to say what you were just saying is you, there's like peace in the flesh, uh, peace at the heart mind level, and then there's peace at the soul level, and it's actually two different types of peace. So I agree with everything you just said. This is where spiritual discernment needs to come in. Mm-hmm. That you know you hear people say so someone's like I, I'm, I'm I, I've decided to do this. Well, why'd you decide that? Well, I just have a peace about it. And they assume that they have a peace about it. It's from God. Hmm. Well, we can't we can't make that assumption because there's the flesh piece of heart and mind, and then there's like the spiritual piece of soul. And so you gave the example with with Jesus. So in in like examples today, um, let's say um, 
let's say you got in a fight with a friend and you decided that's the end of the friendship. Um, Hmm. and you have a piece about that. Well, at the psychological, emotional, heart, mind, flesh level, especially if you're more of a conflict avoidance person, absolutely you're going to have peace about that um, because I don't have to deal with it now. Yeah. They were never a super tight friend. What they did crossed the line. You know, the, the threshold issue there. Uh, and so, of course, you're going to have peace about it. Your flesh is because now you don't have to deal with it anymore. Mm-hmm. But your spirit or your soul may not be at peace about it because God is saying, no, actually, I want you to reconcile. Hmm. I want you to restore that relationship. Um, or or inversely, like let's say like you, you're being called to, to missions into this, this country, uh, a very dangerous country, and so your heart and mind, your flesh level of peace, you don't have any peace about that yeah. because there's a little bit of disquiet. That's a dangerous thing. There's, there's threats there, uh, potential dangers, and so you don't have... Um, a piece of the heart, mind, flesh level, but you do have a piece of the soul level where you and God are, are connected through prayer and fasting. He's like, listen, this is what I'm calling you to do. I'm going to be there with you every step of the way. I won't necessarily prevent all the dangers, but I'm going to be there with you in the midst of all the dangers or the cost of the sacrifice. And so, and so what you have is there's going to be times when my heart, mind, flesh doesn't have a piece about it, but my soul spirit does. And so I'm going to do it. Yeah. There'll be other times when um, my heart, mind, flesh does have a piece about it, uh, but then my soul, spirit doesn't. And so then, then that, that should tell you the answer there. So, so be careful when you use the language to, you know, to the listener. Be careful when you use the language of, well, I just have a piece about it. Hmm. Therefore, I know it's right. It's from God. Maybe. Yeah. If it's... If it's a spiritual piece at the soul level, then yes, that statement is true. So trust in him, go do it. But it may be your heart, mind, flesh has a piece about it, and then obviously you like it. And so that, that's kind of the, that's the other thing that we wanted to bring up with that, because I hear that language all the time. Well, I just have a piece about it. Mm-hmm. So therefore, it's the right thing. Uh, what kind of piece are we talking about here? Yeah. Um, the, the flesh, heart, mind piece or the, the, soul, the soul piece? Um, anyway, so that, I think that was the only other thing that we really wanted to, um, to add. So then, so then normally we, we move into the, uh, key implications and application section, but we actually tied that into the, uh, earlier material itself. So we, we've already kind of hit on all that, that the, you know, one of the biggest implications is realizing that God is always at that utter mm. relational peace with himself and, and internal peace, and then also relational peace with you. Yeah. Um, and, and then you come into grips with that. Uh, and then the application is to become that peacemaker uh, and kind of go through that sequential process that we talked about. And it's, you know, it's a, it's a game changer. Um, would there be any other key implications or application that, that you would add? No, not that I can think of. We, and we do want to acknowledge this is super difficult. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. difficult on two levels. It's going to be difficult to actually believe that's where God is mm-hmm. um, because of, of false beliefs that we've had or just misunderstandings that we've had about God, uh, things we've been taught, you know, growing up or just assumptions that we've made um, that, you know, you can't be angry and peaceful at the same time, etc. So... But going back to realizing that the scripture never says, there's never a verse that says he doesn't have peace. 
and thinking through all the other unpackings that we've done and what we know of God, and he is the perfect being. He is that good to be true, you know. Um, letting yourself... Oh, there's also a fear of, of being let down. Yeah. So it's like, but what if I... Like, I really like the idea of a God who's always at peace. It's very comforting for me. And I would like to believe that, and that would also comfort me and bring about peace with me. But what happens if I start believing that, and then it turns out it's not true, and God's not at peace, I'm going to be devastated. I get that, but that shouldn't be a reason to not hold to it. Mm-hmm. And so, like, you know, we had found, like, we were a little, I know for me, I was a little nervous when I first was going through all the sin issues and realizing it was a secondary thing. I'm like, I wanted to believe that, but I was scared. I'm like, well, what if I, if I believe that sin is a secondary thing, but then it's not? Well, I found I just there was too many things in scripture that I, mean, I, I need to hold to this. Hmm. And so I started holding to it. And then once I held to it, it just got reiterated and reaffirmed and confirmed again and again and again that though this is the way of it all and it helps you sin less, you know, et cetera. Yeah. So that's one of the things here of just let yourself believe it. And you'll find that once you start picturing God in that way, it will make more sense. It will be a game changer. There's a lot of stuff that will come around for that. So, so it'll be difficult to understand God's always at peace. And it's also super difficult for us to come to that. And this goes back to this is not through sheer willpower and effort on you that you can yeah, achieve this. It sure. is a fruit of the Spirit. So that's why we, we were emphasizing some of the ways that you can go about getting it. It's not just forcing yourself to have internal peace or forcing yourself to have relational peace with others. That will not work. Yeah. Um, so don't try it. <laughs> uh, it's just it's a trust issue with God first and foremost, and then letting Him and and even like you know we did the first recording this morning and then it, it froze up, so we had to re-record it. You would think that that would have caused even more irritation for me, but when I told you I'm like this is almost funny, hmm. this is happening. I just, like this wave of this spiritual peace at the soul level kind of came over me. Was I intentionally trying to make it happen? No, that was definitely a gift from God. So God, I want to kind of give you a heads up. Thank you. You know, a head nod. Uh, I appreciate you, you, you doing that. Um, so yeah, so we, we fully want to, want to acknowledge that. And it's interesting because like you were just describing there, that peace didn't make any sense to you. Right. And Philippians 4, 7, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Like, it's just amazing how it, do- it doesn't make any sense. Like, you just had peace about this. And it, that, that's kind of the point. It doesn't make sense. And it is something that comes from God. It's also amazing. So we have examples in Scripture of the, of the heroes of the faith that weren't having peace in the moment. Moses really struggled, uh, especially in the early part, mm-hmm. um, of not having peace about what was what was about to happen. Jonah, of course, is a great example of what <laughs> yeah. not having peace looks like. But then you see examples of, of people having peace. So like Joseph and all the trials that he went through, you know, mm-hmm. what you guys intended for evil, God intended for good. It seemed that he had this, this stoic peace about him. You can imagine Daniel in the lion's den or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in, in, the, in the, the fire. I even think with, with Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, I think that maybe the heart-mind at the flesh level of him didn't have peace in the sweating blood, but I think at the soul level he did. Mm-hmm. So, like, for example, if you watched... Um, uh, uh, Mel Gibson's The Passion of the Christ. There's that scene early on when he's in the garden uh, and he's, he's, he's trembling, you know, um, and, and the Satan, the serpent, the snake is slithering in. And then, he, then like, like the cloud passes over the moon and Satan's whispering and causing him to be troubled. Um, and then the, the, uh, he's just praying. He trusts in God. The cloud passes from the moon and he stands up and you can just tell in, in the... Uh, 
Caviel, Kaz, whatever the author, the actor's name is, uh, Jim, uh, just in his body language and his facial expression, uh, just this like utter sense of peace comes over him and he mm-hmm. gives this look to, to Satan like, bring it. Hmm. And the trouble was gone. And so then for the rest of the, um, of, the, of the suffering of the crucifixion of getting arrested and being spit on and beaten and, and, and the thorn and the whips and carrying the cross and, and getting the nails into his hands and his feet, all those things. Was he in physical pain? Absolutely. Was he grieving at an emotional level? Absolutely. There's all these raging emotions. But in the midst of it all, I get the idea uh, that he had this utter sense of hmm. peace. So even like when he says to the thief on the cross, he can still be focused and says, today you will be with me in paradise. Uh, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Um, and it's in, it, that, that peace uh, was there, right? And allowed yeah. him to think clearly and to act clearly. So so it's cool to kind of see those, those examples uh, in Scripture. And I think one other reason why this is difficult to have is because a lot of times we don't want to have peace with those around us. Like we actually kind of enjoy um, having... A little angst. Yeah, Yeah. just some of that tension. And it doesn't really make much sense, but I know I have that sometimes. Just like, no, a little bit of confrontation is good. Uh, But just really recognizing that it is better to have... to live at peace with all men and to actually be pursuing that. So I yeah. think that that's another component of this. So the last thing then is just what was, what was the personal takeaway for you as we kind of unpacked and explored all this and discussed it? Yeah. The biggest takeaway for me is just that God is always at peace with himself and with me, even when I'm not returning that peace. Um, and that's just something that, uh, it makes sense. Like it's, I'm not surprised by that. Um, it's cool to see how even when he's angry, he's still at peace. Um, but it's just so impactful. Mm-hmm. Like when you actually take time to just sit and think on that God is sitting on the throne, just completely at peace, despite everything that goes on on earth like despite all of the sin that's occurring his goal is to bring people relationally back to himself and that's what he's focused on that's what he's doing that's what justice is moving towards that's what punishment is moving towards mm-hmm. um that's what the cross accomplished and allowed like all of these different things he's sitting there in the midst of all of the tragedy that's occurring and he is still completely at peace with himself and completely at peace with every individual. Like, it, it's just incredible to actually sit about, and that's just the biggest takeaway for me. Yeah, single biggest, the biggest one for me was God saying, I am always at shalom, shalom, shalom. Yeah. Um, I have not believed that growing up. I think on a subcon, I didn't realize that I had not believed that. And I, and I still wrestle with it. It's still hard to come to grips with that. But just realizing I need to. I need to, to kind of name it and claim it. I need to declare that that is the truth, that Scripture is pointing in that direction um, because that's just that's just going to do a lot. Yeah, That's the biggest one. And the second biggest one is as, you, as you're going through this process of the relational piece with him and then the internal piece that comes, it really is that thick, cushioned, Hmm. rubber armor 
um, that gives some pull, you know, gives some flexibility, some give and take, uh, but it's going to protect you. It's a great layer to wrap yourself, uh, to, to wrap around yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, having that layer of peace is going to go a long, long way uh, in things. And, and I find that very comforting. Um, so, so yeah, that's it. Uh, you can ask yourself as you, if you've been listening to this, you know, what was the, the biggest takeaway for you that always leads to the fourth and final question of the unpackings, which is just, what are you going to do with that? How is this mm-hmm. affecting your life? And so just ask yourself, given all these things that, that I was listening and, and learning in this episode, you know, what was the big thing that jumped out at me and why, and what does that mean for me? How's that going to affect my prayer life, my scripture studies, yeah. uh, the way I interact with others? There's many different ways that that, that could all be applied out. Um, so allow yourself to kind of kind of think through that. Um, if, uh, if you have any questions or you want more information or pushback you can go to the website rekindlingministries.org you can email us at info at rekindlingministries.com you can put comments on on podbean there on, on the pod app uh reach out to us and, and let us know and uh and then the next episode we're getting into is a is a really awesome natural uh segue into to joy mm-hmm. and we'll see you guys then sounds good